Hey, Kerry Jr., the second host of On the Line here. And just like our last episode, we're getting you ready for Saturday. All right. U of M versus OSU, both undefeated. This is high stakes. And what better way to prepare for a game like this than to recount another historic high stakes game? And what if I told you that this game took place during the last season the Wolverines won the national championship? Well, that's what Road to the Victors is all about. Hosted by Andrew Hammond, Road to the Victors takes you on a journey throughout the University of Michigan Wolverines' 1997 season. And the episode you're about to hear highlights the historic rivalry between Ohio State and University of Michigan. Check it out. Sixty minutes. That's how long the Michigan Wolverines are away from playing in the Rose Bowl and a shot at the national championship. All they have to do is beat their most hated rival, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Welcome to episode 12 of Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. I'm your host, Andrew Hammond, assistant sports editor at the Detroit Free Press. On this journey, we're taking you game by game, week by week, to give you the inside look at how the 1997 Michigan Wolverines captured their share of a national title. It is perhaps the most defining rivalry in college football. From a regional rivalry in the 40s, 50s, and most of the 60s, things changed in 1969. A Michigan victory over what many consider to be the greatest college football team of all time a 10-year war was launched between Michigan, led by Bo Schimbeckler, and Ohio State, led by Woody Hayes. In a streak of 10 games, the coaches and their programs took the rivalry into the stratosphere. From 1969 to the final game in 1978, the Rose Bowl and or a shot at a national title game was at stake. Even after the 10-year war ended, the fervor and passion of what is called the game remained alive. So did the stakes. Between 1969 and 1996, the winner of the Michigan-Ohio State game went on to play in the Rose Bowl 18 times, plus two other times when the teams were tied. A trip to Pasadena was once again on the line in the 1997 matchup inside Michigan Stadium. If you want the complete story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines, the Free Press is publishing a commemorative book. Hail yes, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines can be purchased at um.pictorialbook.com. In the few years before 1997, it had been Ohio State with a shot at the Rose Bowl or even a national championship entering the rivalry game. Now it's Michigan with all the marbles to play for. By Ohio State standards at the time, the Buckeyes had a pretty good season, entering the game at 10-1. When we come back after the break, Mitch Album of the Free Press joins the show to talk about the 1997 edition of Michigan and Ohio State. We are back with Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. Michigan, Ohio State, 
the Rose Bowl, and a possible national championship on the line. You know we had to bring in the big guns for this episode. Mitch Album, award-winning writer for the Free Press, joins us to talk about the 1997 Classic between Michigan and Ohio State. Mitch, thank you for joining the show. We really appreciate it. Sure thing. Happy to do it. I know it sounds cheesy, but when I was taking a look back at the game in preparation for the show, I, I instantly got chills because it's a rivalry game like this with stakes on the line. And in some ways, you just can't help uh, you know, get chills about this game uh, when Michigan and Ohio State are playing for something uh, big on the line. Is that how you feel about this rivalry when the two teams are playing in there's something important on the line, not only a Rose Bowl, but a possible national championship. Well, yeah, th- th- there weren't a lot of years where the national championship was in play for Michigan during that time because they always seemed to be uh, relegated to having to play. You know, th- that was before the playoffs. So they were always relegated to playing a Pac-10 team in the Rose Bowl, which is what you got if you if you won the Big Ten. And so – you know, the, the Pac-10 teams weren't weren't the top-ranked teams. And so the chances of them being able to to uh, win a national championship with their bowl game were always very slim. Now, going into that Ohio State game, they were undefeated, and they were also ranked number one. So they had the advantage at that point of saying, all we got to do is just keep holding on and keep winning, and we can win this thing. Whereas in years past, you know, they might have been ranked number four or five or six, and they were going to play a Pac-10 team that was ranked number eight. And so you don't have a chance. Uh, you know, that, that's why they invented the playoff. But uh, it didn't exist back then. So that particular Ohio State game where, where they took them on it, and it was in Ann Arbor, if I remember correctly, uh, that, was, that was a really big game, not only because it's always a really big game, but because they knew that if they won that against a team that – and you're gonna to have to correct me. I'm sure you have the data in front of you, but I think Ohio State was ten and zero or ten and one or something coming into that yeah. game too, weren't they? Ranked yeah. four in the country. Yeah, ten and one, ranked four in the country, and and for the first time in two or three years, they aren't playing the the Michigan Ohio State game for Ohio State isn't a shot at a national championship. So kind of the shoes on the other foot. Uh, but this game always has a big fight feel to it. And this game, literally, Charles Woodson and David Boston get into it on the first, on one of the first series or first plays of the game for Ohio State. It's almost like a hockey fight. Uh, there's punches being thrown, jerseys and arms are being tugged around. Uh, these days, most assuredly, a personal foul on both teams and both players are probably ejected. Uh, here in 1997, uh, nothing is called, play on, and now it's one of the more iconic images of the rivalry. Uh, when you saw that moment and you saw those two going at it, was it something that you're just like, okay, this this is game on. This is This is what we're talking about when it comes to Michigan and Ohio State playing for something as big as this. You tend to see that happen. Twice a year, if you follow Michigan football, as I obviously have for many, many years, the Michigan State game and the Ohio State game. Sadly, this year, you know, we saw it writ large with the Michigan State game in the tunnel and you know, something that was not acceptable at all. But that kind of uh, chippiness, that kind of, you know, let's establish stuff early uh, was very typical of those games, uh, the Michigan State game and the Ohio State game and always early. I mean, it didn't. 
In fact, it almost always happened early because that's when you're, you're so charged up, you don't know what to do with yourself. And Charles Woodson, you know, was not a huge guy, uh, but but he, you know, he was a very tough player and he was having an incredible season. And if I remember correctly, that game after that fight, they basically went back and forth and back and forth. And all they did was punt. I mean, they just they just. Nobody could gain enough to do anything on that. It wasn't. It wasn't a. It wasn't an offensive game at all. But for the first nine or ten possessions, I, I, I would say I don't think I don't think anybody did anything. I don't think they scored anything. They just had a punt, which is kind of the the toughness that both teams were exhibiting defensively. And as we know from that season, I'm sure you've talked about in years past. But that Michigan defense was one of, the, one of the best I've ever seen. I mean, they were their their average score if I remember during the season was kind of like, you know, 27 to 3 or 34 to 6 or 28 to 9, you know, the 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 single digit scoring that they had for a lot of the years. I mean, I mean, look, I'm pulling up a thing here now. They held Penn State to 8 points. They held Minnesota to 3 points. Michigan State to 7 points. Uh Northwestern to 6 points. Indiana zero, you know, uh, uh, Baylor three. Even when they opened against Colorado, and Colorado was a ranked team, three points. So you weren't expecting the other team to score a lot uh, that year uh, with Michigan, uh, and you weren't expecting Michigan to score a lot either. They didn't. That wasn't, you know, one of the light them up offensive uh, programs. But with Brian Greasy. At the helm, who I I knew well, and and uh, you know, and, and knew in his career afterwards as well in the pros, he was that efficient drive down the field, keep things going, quarterback. And in the end, in that game, that that kind of that kind of proved to be the the difference. For sure, for sure. And after a deadlock first quarter, Michigan gets on the board with a one yard touchdown from Anthony Thomas. After Michigan forces an Ohio State punt, Brent Bartholomew punts to Charles Woodson. And the rest is history. Here's the call from Frank Beckman and Jim Brandstatter of WJR and the Michigan Radio Network. Brent Bartholomew has been Ohio State's MVP. He's averaging 48 yards a punt. He's had one for 55, one for 50. Gets a low snap. No pressure, though, and he booms another one. Woodson back, back, grabs this one on his 23. Races to his left, to the 25, splits two men. Now to his left at the 40, 45, and there he goes. Charles Woodson down the sideline. He's got to go all the way. Touchdown, Michigan. Shades of Desmond Howard. As Frank Beckman put it, this is shades of Desmond Howard, Michigan's leading Heisman contender, returns a punt for a touchdown versus Ohio State, essentially breaking the game open. I believe you're in the stadium that day. What are some of your memories from that punt? Well, Charles Woodson was an explosive player. And, uh, you know, he was one of those rare guys that could uh, do everything, you know, and and he did. Uh, you know, he was he was a phenomenal defensive back. Obviously, he intercepted passes left, right, and center. But then any time he came out on the offensive side, which wasn't obviously every play, you know, so they, 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 sometimes they would put him out as a decoy. Like, oh, Woodson's out there, then that means they're going to throw to him. Well, they would put him out, and then they would throw to Ty Streets or somebody else. Oh, and then other times he was the reason. And then, of course, there were special teams. And he was just an explosive player. And, and you know, I was there for Desmond's, you know, the – well, I can't do it very well, but, you know. <laughs> 
Uh, I got answer. Mitch Album doing the Heisman on the yeah, show. Well, that yes. wasn't very good, was it? It's more like this, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but um, uh, I was there when he did that, and, and have laughed with, with him over the years at that many times. I mean, the to have the foresight to be able to do that when you're in the end zone, and you know, uh, Woodson ended up with the Heisman as well, one of the rare, rare, rare defensive players to win a Heisman Trophy. So Beckman was right. I mean, it was a lot like that. And and you kind of felt at that point, I think that made it 13 nothing. Yeah, 13 nothing. That they were going to win because uh, the way that Michigan had held opponents, you know, get two scores, you're, you're almost, uh, you know, you're almost locked in. And then they scored again. And and it, it sort of felt like, well, it's over, only it wasn't. There was a lot more of the game to be played. For sure, for sure. And Michigan leads Ohio State 13-0 at halftime. When we come back to Road to the Victors, the Wolverines look to punch their ticket to Pasadena, and the stage is set for a wild and controversial end to the 1997 season. This is Road to the Victors, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines. Welcome back to Road to the Victors. We are in the second half between Michigan and Ohio State. Down 13-0, Ohio State gets deep into Michigan territory. But who are they stopped by? Of course, it's Charles Woodson. Jackson the throw, looking right. Now comes back, fires in the end zone, intercepted by Charles Woodson. Polish off the Heisman. Fake room on the battle. Charles Woodson took it away. And end zone interception. As if things couldn't get worse, Stanley Jackson is picked off for the second time in a row in the second straight possession, this time by Andre Weathers for a 34-yard interception return for a touchdown. Michael Wiley in a tailback in the I formation. The Buckeyes at their 44. Jackson back to throw. Blitz coming from Sword. He eludes him. Now eludes another tackle at the 40. Gets rid of the ball. Intercepted by Weathers. He's back the other way. He's going to go. 10, 5, touchdown Michigan. Andre Weathers, 44 yards. 19 to nothing. Wolverines. Mitch, it's 20-0 Michigan. For all the buildup that this game had, it's number two versus number four, it feels kind of anticlimactic in a way. You're just kinda, it's, you build this movie up, you're just like, oh, my God, this is going to be a Titanic showdown. And halfway through, you're just like, that's it? <laughs> Did you think that watching that game and, and that day, you're thinking to yourself, this Michigan team is destroying Ohio State. Like, Ohio State cannot move the football. Were you kind of astounded? I know I know we talked about Michigan's defense, but at the same time, 
this is an Ohio State team that's really, really good. Well, I didn't feel that because, if I remember correctly, Michigan wasn't doing anything offensively either. In fact, Ohio State was probably doing more offensively. They just made too many mistakes. But Michigan, was, it was, they were punting all the time. And uh, I, I think they had 11 punts in that game. So you, you never felt like it was locked up because you kept saying to yourself, well, if Stanley Jackson doesn't throw another interception here, maybe Ohio <laughs> State's going to come down and actually score something. And that proved to be the case at the end of the third quarter if I remember right, uh, he threw a bomb uh, and 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 all of a sudden you know, the air kind of went out of the stadium because it was it was 20 to seven instead of 20 to nothing. And and they were like, what? We didn't intercept, what? We didn't intercept that pass. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that was actually a tie. I don't remember who he threw it to, but but uh, I believe it was uh, David Boston. David Boston. Yeah. Good receiver. Yeah. And, uh, you yeah. know, so and a guy who had gotten into it with with uh, with. Uh, Charles Woodson at the beginning of the game anyhow. So that was his little moment. So no, I, I personally, maybe the people in the stadium thought 20 to nothing's a blowout, but I would have felt a lot better if, if Michigan could have run the ball better or, 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 or I mean, I, I don't even think they had 50 yards rushing in that game. And uh, Charles and uh, Greasy was throwing the ball, you know, short passes and doing what he did, but not enough to score. Um, in fact, if the final of that game was 20 to 14, um, two of those touchdowns were not offensive touchdowns, right? I think they scored one yep. each category, one offensive, one uh, one defensive, and one special team. So, no, the answer to your question is you never feel like Ohio State is done. Uh, maybe you feel it a little bit more when you're at Michigan Stadium because the <laughs> crowd is there. When you're, If you take a lead on them down in Columbus, you never, ever, ever take your foot off the pedal. You never feel that that's done. But um, there was too much at stake, and they were too good a team. As you pointed out, they only had one loss. They were ranked number four. And it was also that fear of being derailed from the thing that you want the most right when you're you know, just about to get it. I think that's, that's the irony. I mean, irony is probably not the right word. That's the um, significance, I guess, and the weightiness of the Ohio State-Michigan game is so many times – the whole year's campaign comes down to the to the outcome of that game. And and like everything hangs on the line, not one thing, not who's going to win the Michigan-Ohio State game, everything. Are you going to win the Big Ten? Are you going to play for a national championship? You know, are you going to be ranked high enough to, to get invited to the right bowl game back then or to make the playoff? And the same thing's going to happen this year if, if everybody goes to chalk. You know, uh, you're gonna, it's going to be that, that same case again. You, you have everything coming into the game, as Michigan did in 1997. If they lose, they're out. They, they lose the Big Ten. They don't go to the Rose Bowl. They don't win the national championship. So when you have that much hanging on top of you, you don't ever think a game is over. You don't ever think, like, we got these guys done because the specter of, of years where it didn't work out for the Wolverines was always there. For sure, for sure. And as you said, Ohio State, they do get two scores. So now all of a sudden it's a 20-14 to 14 ball game. It, and Michigan's defense comes up big again as Glenn Steele sacks Ohio State's Joe Germain, forcing the Buckeyes to punt with just under three minutes left in the ball game. Uh, Brian Greasy nearly throws an interception, but the ball hits the ground. Ohio State forces the Wolverines to punt. 
the pressure for Ohio State now is they have to go 84 yards in just over 90 seconds. Uh, the question is, could they get it done? And, and Michigan's defense answers with an emphatic no. Jermaine throw, looking down the middle. He fires, tipped in the air, and it's intercepted by Sam Sword. They really dropped it. It doesn't matter. Michigan takes over on downs with 42 seconds to play. Get the plane fueled for Pasadena. Michigan beats Ohio State 20-14. The Wolverines are headed to the Rose Bowl for the first time since 1992. Uh, Mitch, from that moment, and I want to. you talked about the defense a little earlier. You made a point that this is one of the best defenses you've ever seen. In that game, all the pressure they faced all season, Glenn Steele, you know, he comes up with the sack against Joe Germain. It seems like every single time and throughout this this series that I've been doing with these games, the defense came up big against Notre Dame. The defense came up big against Iowa after having really a terrible first half. And and so you get to the Ohio State game. As you've watched this team all season long in ninety seven, I know it's a I know it's a long time ago, but you know, you watch this team and you're just do you come away with a new thing every week when you see a defense play that good and you're just like, how how much better can they get? And then the next week they raise it another level. Well, it, it it's more like, to be honest with you, it's more like the opponent changing because, you know, you, you saw the excellence from the very beginning. I mean, they beat a quality opponent in Colorado and held them to three points on the very first game of the year. So you were used to watching their excellence. But, you know, as happens in the Big Ten, some weeks are, are you know, you're playing a better team than others. Uh, so, you know, when they beat Minnesota, you know, that wasn't such a big deal. Uh, but, you know, towards the end of the season, they played three good teams. They played Penn State, uh, which was higher ranked than them, if I remember correctly, and, and, and beat them bad. I mean, it was like 34 to 8. And so now that de- you said, wow, you know, this is what they did to Penn State. They came back the next week and beat Wisconsin, who was also a pretty good team that year. Uh, held them to 16 points. And then they come and they play Ohio State with all that stuff that hangs on the line. So it wasn't so much like, um, wow, you're something new every week from this defense. It's more like, are they going to be able to do what they did to the lesser teams when they have to play the great teams? And playing, you know, number three, number 24, and number four in the last three weeks of the season, and then going on to play Washington State, uh, you know, that was what was impressive in it. It's like they keep doing it against these really good football programs, which is how you measure it. Look, college sports, college football is always that. You can you can watch a college football game and see a a team rack up 55 points in a game, and you go, oh, my God, they're unstoppable. Every pass is perfect. And if you really analyze the tape, you look at the defenders were six yards away from the guy who caught the pass, or there was no pressure on the quarterback, or the hole was a mile wide. And then they suddenly play a good team, or a much better team, and he goes, where did it go? Where did it go? Where did that offense go? How come the where? How come the running back can't gain any yards? How come the receiver can't get open? Because they're playing a good defense. So it, that happens a lot in college football, the quality of opponents, especially with the early season stuff. And then, you know, sometimes you just, you're in a conference where 
there are some teams that are just historically bad and, and and these are easy games. So you really have to measure a defense against the quality of the opponent. It's not the NFL where every team is capable of beating every team, you know, uh, on any given Sunday. That's not what college football is. And so um, I was impressed with what they did by who they were doing it against. And uh, those last four games of the season for them, including the championship, the Rose Bowl, was really, really impressive performances by their defense. For sure. And in the image of Charles Woodson, he has the rose in his mouth as fans pile onto the field. At that point, do you believe he had clinched the Heisman with the punt return, with everything that he had done up to that point? Were you thinking to yourself, okay, he's won the Heisman. This game, he had his, you know, we call him today Heisman moments. He had his Heisman moment. He's going to win that trophy in two weeks in New York City. Um, you know, you're, you're asking me to remember a lot, uh, uh, you know, how we how we felt back then. I mean, I don't think Peyton Manning was was that year, too. Right. And uh, yeah, uh, I think there were a lot of us that felt that. And Ryan Leaf, who we would later see, you know, in the uh, in the in the Rose Bowl, who. I remember writing about him like, oh, my God, some NFL team is going to love this guy. And mm. <laughs> that didn't work out so well. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think whenever you're up against quarterbacks of that level, you don't ever think the defensive guy is going to win it because they just don't. Uh, so it just goes to show you how special that year was in the eyes of it's easy for us in Michigan. We all think the local kids should win the Heisman. But, you know, when the national media and the national judges determined that his season was that great that he beat out Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf and Randy Moss and some of those other guys. And uh, uh, I think I believed it when they announced his name, but I don't think I predicted it the week before. Before Michigan and Charles Woodson could embrace the spoils of the regular season, they had to find out who their opponent in the Rose Bowl was going to be. Entering that Saturday, Washington State had not played in the Rose Bowl in 67 years. Now, all they needed to do was win the fabled Apple Cup and get a little help. Washington State needed a win, and either UCLA to beat USC or Arizona State to lose to Arizona. Thanks to the Bruins, who ironically enough play in the Rose Bowl, the Washington State Cougars punched their ticket to Pasadena with a 41-35 victory over the Washington Huskies. Meanwhile, over 2,900 miles away, the national championship took another significant turn. Leading 29-25 in the fourth quarter, the top-ranked Florida State Seminoles allowed the reigning national champion Florida Gators to drive 80 yards for a game-winning touchdown. In a game later called the greatest game ever played in the Swamp, Florida offered one more twist in the national title race and a twist in the knife to their biggest rivals at the time. The Michigan Wolverines became number one in both polls, and it was just number one Michigan and Nebraska at number two as the lone remaining unbeatens in college football. However, tradition, a retiring coach, and a lot of controversy are just around the corner. 
Before we go, our guest has been Mitch Album. Game audio has been provided by WJR and the Michigan Radio Network. Anjanette Delgado and Kirkland Crawford are the executive producers of this podcast. Robin Chan and Carrie Jr. II provide technical support. Peter Batia is the editor of the Detroit Free Press. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Road to the Victors on Apple, Spotify, or your preferred streaming app of choice. And find us at freep.com slash podcast. Please subscribe, leave a rating, and tell your friends about us. It really does help. For more information on the 1997 Michigan team, pre-order the book, Hail Yes, the story of the 1997 Michigan Wolverines at freep.com. I'm Andrew Hammond, and we'll see you next week. If you like what you heard and you enjoyed Road to the Victors, you can find them on freepress.com and wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't worry, if you're looking for more on-the-line content, we've got a special episode coming this Tuesday. See you then.